0: Hey everyone. GMGM. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, Social tokens. I guess we have Whale Shark. Do we have Whale Shark on the screen? Uh, Uh. I think he's joining us virtually. Um, But, anyways, um, I thought we could start with some quick intros just because everyone's project is slightly different. Uh, with slightly different connection to social tokens. Um, sh- louder? Should I talk louder, or should you just turn up the volume? Okay, whichever works. So Shari, maybe you wanna you wanna kick off Water and Music. What what what's Yeah, it all for about?
1: sure. Um, thanks so much for having uh, us, and thank you all for being here. Uh, my name is Sherry Hu. I am the founder of Water and Music. Um, we are a music and tech newsletter that's been running since 2019, and as of around eight months ago, we've um, been undergoing a transition into becoming a DAO. So we have our own um, governance token. I call it a research token called Stream, which you earn by contributing to our collaborative research reports. So in terms of the perspective that uh, hopefully I can bring to this conversation, it's both it's both as an operator of a DAO and as someone who has done a lot of research on social tokens, um, specifically in the music and entertainment industry, so like artists and music communities launching their own tokens.
0: How big is uh, Water Music's community?
1: right now. So we have a paid membership layer, which gives you access to a lot of exclusive uh, content articles that we put out into our community. It's roughly 2,000 members right now. Um, And in terms of people who hold our token stream, it's around 400 people. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, I'm a subscriber, so uh, really the place to learn about uh, music and Web3. Um, Evan. Disco XYZ.
2: Thank you so much for having me and really excited to see all of you guys today. So, at Disco, where I am a co founder, we are building your identity for the metaverse. So, what this means is that we equip you with your own personal data backpack so that when you create awesome data inside of applications, whether in web, Two or web three, regardless of what blockchain, when you create that data, it goes straight into your data backpack, encrypted against your keys so you can take it with you, instead of being consumed for resale by an application or published for the world to see on earth and in space forever on chain. Um, so at Disco, we think about the, the primitives that exist off the chain. Um, this means decentralized identifiers, the aliases for our addresses that can talk to one another across chains, web two and web three and verifiable credentials. This term might be new for some of you. It's kind of like an off-chain NFT. It's a signed statement written by one party about another. So at Disco, our definition of the metaverse is your ability to show up in any digital or physical environment and receive a personalized experience as a result of the parts of yourself that you choose to share. So when we think about community at Disco, we think about communities that do not have an unfettered secondary market, communities where you cannot pay your way in to participate. We think about communities that are based not on your financial resources or your access to alpha but rather on your non-financial contributions. So really excited to talk about what community means in the context of all these primitives today.
0: And you recently did a big podcast with Vitalik on this very topic, right?
2: Yes, Vitalik and I had the opportunity to chat for about an hour on the Bankless podcast earlier this week, discussing the relative merits of his new conjecture, so-called soulbound tokens or modified ERC-721s that cannot be transferred, and the um, challenges that this conjecture faces compared to the existing embraced um, uh, standard of verifiable credentials that has been developed over the course of decades and has been agreed upon by over 100 Different communities, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, Solana, even the folks who rep PGP keys.
0: Awesome. Um, do we have Whale Shark? Can we hear from Whale Shark?
2: Hi,
3: June. Can you guys hear me?
2: Loud and clear. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah>. oh.
3: <laughs> Hello from Asia, my friends. Uh, I go by the pseudonym Whale Shark. Uh, I'm one of the earlier and largest investors of NFTs in the space, started in 2019. Uh, actually, started one of the world's largest social tokens in 2020 called Whale. Uh, which comprises of 25, over 25,000 uh, NFT enthusiasts, uh, general NFT enthusiasts around the world. Uh, eventually founded a metaverse fashion brand called Elite, uh, which is also powered by social tokens. Um, very, have always been extremely bullish uh, on the concept of digital ownership, uh, as well as the ability for social tokens to be able to drive engagement uh, and reward community members for participation. So. Very excited to be here. June, Jeff, Coindesk, thank you very much for having me today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'll say a little bit about myself. I'm Junian Wong. Um, I'm a long-time journalist in the space. Um, Started uh, covering Bitcoin back in 2013 at Coindesk. Uh, and actually started Consensus back in 2015, so it's been a it's been a long, strange trip I think for for everyone involved. Um, I also I was told to give an intro on why I'm here, uh, what what I do with uh, social tokens. So I did my own token called June, uh, in I think early 2020. Um, do not go on Uniswap to buy it because there's no liquidity. Um, OTC deals only. Um, but um, you know, so I got into social tokens back then, experimented. I ran a bunch of meetups, and I discovered that it was just really freaking hard to uh, keep a token going. Like, you know, how do you distribute it? How do you um, how do you ensure people? Uh, don't, you know, uh, manipulate the price. There's just so much work that goes into it, you know. I realize why we have central bankers uh, after I did my own token. Um, So, but, you know, I got involved in lots of other initiatives in the social token space. Uh, And I keep saying social tokens. I'm told that's no longer the term uh, du jour. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm a bit old school. Uh, So I worked with uh, Seed Club early on, invested in Seed Club, uh, worked with many of the projects in there. So that's that's my background um, in social tokens. So I guess, you know, maybe um, semantics might be a good way to start. You know, we started off kind of with personal tokens. If anyone remembers, people like Alex, um, he did he did he did the Alex token uh, I think in 2019, and then that kind of evolved into like social tokens. And I think now we have community tokens and other terms. Um, Maybe we'll start with Will Shark because he was very early. Like, what do you think about this evolution, Will Shark? Um, And what do you call category
3: right now. June, I think you're spot on. Semantics is a wonderful way to start the discussion because, you know, we really have to ask what are social tokens. I think social tokens are still a very broad definition um, of tokens that are used to incentivize and drive communities. And when you talk about communities, as you said, you know, you can subset the whole social tokens sphere into several different things, right? You have personal tokens, uh, as you mentioned very early on. Uh, You're talking about Alex and you're talking about, you know, an array of other um, individuals, right? Um, Who were basing the value of that social token and the utility of that social token on their own lives. uh, or Or I guess the activity within their own lives. Then after that, you had, you know, what you might be able to call creator coins or creator tokens, whereby you had NFT artists or creators within the digital environment you know, whether they be artists like, you know, pop with Ash or Hacked Out with Mork, um, or, you know, RAC, right? Who all came out with their own tokens, uh, really to almost incentivize their fan base, uh, as well as allow that fan base to have a more app say or a larger say in the way that they created uh, in terms of what they liked. Then, after, again, I, I think you, you, we talked about personal tokens, you Talked about creator to- you got talked about creator-creative tokens, then you had community tokens like whale, like FWB, and all these other wonderful projects that, again, use tokens as a means of incentivizing their community, but also as a means of governance, right? Moving on from community tokens, uh, you know, and it kind of, you know, when, when the community is more focused on a single project or, you know, a, a single entity of interest, um, you know, you had governance tokens, right? And we've seen, a very large growth of governance tokens, particularly towards the end of 2022, uh, where initially, you, know, you, saw, you, know, you saw Rare from Rareball, you saw Rare from Super Rare. Uh, we've seen ApeCoin come out as well. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, I do believe that these still fit within the realm of social tokens, uh, because essentially what they are used to do is to incentivize, they're used to motivate, to provide a point of authority and a point of voting or a point of governance uh, for all of the members um, of their communities. So, you know, while I think, you know, some of us are OGs in the space when we talk about social tokens and we always tended to define social tokens as something that's more tied to a general interest or a specific personality, when in actual fact, I think social tokens have actually been booming in the larger context of the industry. Uh, given the fact that they are tokens that revolve around communities, interests, and in projects, uh, and really drive that incentivization for the growth of that community, for the participation of that community, as well as the governance of, the, of that community. So, you know, again, it's, I, I, I think that the space is growing extremely quickly and it's very interesting uh, to see all of the use cases and utilities that these tokens will have in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see you nodding, Evan. Yeah. Do you have something to add to that?
2: Oh, I, I, you know, definitely agree that. And and thank you, Will Shark, for for taking us through the lineage of this verbiage. I think it's really important for us to think about how, as in the protocol, our words are composable and they are evolving. Um, you know, something Will Shark noted that that I think about a lot. That I have that I struggle with. And actually, maybe sure you could help me. You know, think think through this. Um, one of the, the challenges that I have with social tokens is that there is not an explicit relationship between the issuer of the token's actions and the price of that token over time. So after you, you know, provide your social tokens for, for sale on the open market, unlike an equity where a business's performance is, you know, somehow related to its its stock price. And of course, there's an element of sentiment in the market, but without the um, sort of standard cues of how we should value something, we are beholden to community sentiment so much. And so I struggle to understand how over time uh, community tokens can maintain an effective reflection of value when the body of that token is so separate from the actions of its issuers in a very tangible sense. And I guess the, the other thought that, that you brought up in my mind where, where I struggle and, and would love to, to explore with you guys um, is what, it, you know, what does it mean when we look you know this beautiful journey that Whale Shark laid out for us, what does it mean when we look 50 years in the future? What does it mean to sunset a social token. Right? You're not just gonna like slowly rug your community till you die and everything's zero. So how do we think about the ongoing um, activities of a community with relationship to the value they're producing, the issuer they represent, the community they they represent, and the organic life cycle of how we as humans change and evolve over time?
3: Yeah, fascinating.
2: Love all of this. Yes, yeah, so many thoughts. So uh, in terms of how I understand
1: social tokens, I'm coming to this, again, like, focusing focus on the music industry for the last uh, six, seven years. Um, I started writing uh, as a freelancer in 2015, and that year, or, like, 2015 and 2017, I'm not sure many of us are familiar with. There's a whole ICO boom, um, and a lot of, like, artists and DJs were involved in that, um, and that very much lines up with the definition of I guess how I originally thought of social tokens, which is a token backed by some brand or reputation. Um, In, uh, I guess, in like the DAO world, uh, you can like describe that as just like vibes. It's a very, you know, abstract uh, understanding of like the value of a brand. Um, And of course, like given the fickleness of celebrity culture, of just entertainment in general, you, I think it's, it should be expected that the value of a token that is just defined by someone's vibes or someone's brand, a singular person's brand, is going to um, just tank or be super volatile. Um, definitely something that I'm, I'm noticing now, maybe, like, with the shift to thinking about community tokens, is not just about vibes, but about, yeah, like, what are we actually doing? Like, what are we putting out into the world? What kinds of projects are we working on? Um, thinking from, like, an artist's perspective, like, it's not just... Um, RAC, I think, is a great example. Uh, he, you know, is, is not just launching RAC coin and whoever is a fan like, kind of like take advantage of it. He and his team are taking actually a very thoughtful approach to like community design, um, all the way from you know the first step of their like airdrop to people who are supporting him across uh, Patreon, Bandcamp, like a lot of different channels. But also like once you hold the coin how can you interact with other fans? Like, what kinds of things can we work on together? Which is, uh, that just gets to general, like, community design, which I think not many um, artists or these, like, bigger celebrities are thinking about. So I think that's, um, especially this year, that's a big mindset shift, I think.
0: Just to touch on that, and maybe Shark will come back to you in a minute, but, um, um, you know, I was a researcher in residence um, at Rally, which is a big uh, platform for creator coins, and one of the ideas that I was exploring was this idea of tokens as um, sort of loyalty points, but with liquidity, right? So in the past, you could do loyalty programs, but you need, you know, a ton of resource to, like, sign up all these partnerships, operate this database, and so on and so forth. Uh, Now you can offload a lot of that work to a blockchain which, you know, is good and bad, right? There's upsides and downsides. So I'm just curious, like, to the point of community design, like, uh, do you think there's some overlap there with this idea of loyalty points, which is a much more, I think, corporate idea, but, you know, it's kind of like how brands deal with their communities today, right?
1: Yes, oh, and this is getting to your point um, about, earlier about, um, like, whether long-term this model is, like, the singular model for, like, Web3 communities. I definitely don't think so. at Water Music, I guess we're like very early and are thinking on this, but definitely something that we're thinking about and what a lot of other DAOs are thinking about are having multiple different like token types to represent different, uh, just different like parts of or kinds of involvement with a community. So um, I think there's a reason why if you look at a lot of different um, companies like Disco uh, Passage is another one Passage Protocol, like uh, companies that are working on building. Um, Membership frameworks for Web three that they're not using, for the most part, they're not using fungible tokens. They're using NFTs. Um, if you're just thinking about at the fundamental like technical level, being able to, if you're if you're trying to track someone's engagement in a community um, that you know takes that community context into account over time and like uh, you know updating the metadata in a given NFT, like that is impossible to do to my te- to my knowledge with uh, fungible tokens or with social tokens. Um, of course, social tokens can be a layer on top of that. Um, you know, once you, whatever mechanics are behind the token, whether you earn it or you can buy it, um, there could be a dynamic market around that. But I I definitely agree personally that having that uh, represent Uh, membership in a community, there are just a lot of just fundamental data issues where that breaks.
2: To respond to that for for a moment, I think, um, you know, the the concept of loyalty is really exciting because it allows us to capture our proofs of non-financial work and use them to unlock new privileges for us, but um, if I go to, you know, a thousand boys' boys' shows, and then, um, you know, June wants to buy all the proofs that I went to those shows. He can look like he went to those shows. He can enjoy all of the great privileges that go with being a super fan of of that DJ. Um, Now, of course, this doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Loyalty is not transferable, and so the vehicles representing loyalty should not be transferable. If you perform actions that demonstrate your loyalty, the documentation of those actions should pertain to your Behaviors, not to, um, not to some, you know, asset that is not tied to you, right? I, my actions of showing up at concerts mean that I am a loyal fan. That is not something that I can, um, you know, jump into if I just buy those proofs. Um, so when I think about loyalty, I think in Web3 we have an opportunity to approach loyalty as something that cannot be bought.
0: Agreed. Uh, Whale shark, do you want to jump in on that?
3: Sure, I'd love to. And again, I fully agree with all the panelists here. And June, I think you bring up a very interesting point. So my response will actually touch on two pieces. I think the first piece pertains to what Evan brought up about, you know, the the price of a token and you know the value of the token not reacting to, I guess, sometimes the founders or the uh, or the uh, or the actions of the team of a project, Um, as well as you know, from a loyalty perspective, what does this really mean for the economy? Uh, Sorry, for the economy of of social. So in the first instance, you know, I fully agree right now. I I think everybody needs to understand that the social token industry as a whole uh, is extremely, extremely nascent, right? Uh, I think we're still growing. And, you know, very similar to the market that we see within NFTs at the moment, a lot of that money that's flowing in to invest in NFTs or flowing in to invest in social tokens is actually very crypto uh, is very crypto bro oriented. So. Uh, you know, again, the pursuit of buying NFTs and the pursuit of buying social tokens at the moment, you know, in the broader context of the word, uh, you know, usually it's not for long-term participation within a project, but rather again, following that more investment mentality uh, that we saw with the exponential growth of cryptocurrencies. So I think as we move into the future, what we will see is that the value of a social token, and sorry, I I keep saying this, using social token in broader context, governance tokens, creator coins, creator tokens, you know, personal tokens, they are gonna be very much largely tied to how much use case and how much utility a social token has. Now, June, in a previous life, I did work for uh, one of the largest loyalty point companies in the world. Um, And, you know, the instant that I learned about social tokens, I saw that instant draw between, you know, loyalty points and social tokens very similar to yourself. I mean, I cannot see a reason why in the future, we will not see, you know, putting, I guess, you know, we, we all like we all frequent flyer miles. All of you guys are in Austin, staying at the Hilton, staying, you know, staying at uh, one of the Marriott chains. Uh, you know, you guys are all picking up loyalty points uh, in the hopes that, you know, when you accumulate enough loyalty points, you're gonna be able to redeem three nights, four nights, five nights on your next stay. Um, you know, the power of decentralizing those loyalty points, right, in the term of social tokens um, is all of a sudden, you know, depending on the strength of brand, depending on the strength of their properties, you know, depending on the strength that of they're offering, right? Maybe Walmart Albertsons or one of the supermarkets in the U S uh, all of a sudden you're able to get, you know, um, decentralized loyalty points or social tokens that will allow, you know, a customer base. Let's say for example, a supermarket, uh, be able to vote on, you know, what's the new flavor of Quaker oats oatmeal um you know that that they're gonna put in the store or you know being able to take those loyalty points right Um, and then after that sell them on the open market rather than hoarding you know i mean when i look at my Marriott points i think it's like you know two three four million um you know what happens if the brand was so strong that originally you know uh they were worth 10 cents a piece and you know they're in such high demand uh that you're able to offload that off for a dollar a piece right so i do think that that um that potential benefit and utility for social tokens is there. There are a lot of barriers that we do have to cross. Um, And I'm just going to take this one step forward because I am working on an experimental project called Elite. And, you know, what happens if a brand instead of pursuing, right, the basic profit and loss mechanism that we all know right now, right, you pay something, the company pays something for the cost of the goods, and then they make that they make that profit. But what happens if a brand only accepted their own social token and instead the profit or the or the financial health of the company relied on a social token, you know, social token market cap uh, rather than the standard profit and loss statement? Again, I, I think there's so much revolution and evolution that social tokens or the use of, you know, ERC tokens as an economic vehicle have that can truly revolutionize the revolutionize, you know, the entire world as we as we as we know it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I always say the the only uh, virtual currency I care about is Avios, which is the British Airways points. Um, you know, uh, and then there's the soul bound version, which is like your British Airways tier points, which you can't transfer, and that's the thing that gets you in the lounge. Uh, but, but you know, just just on the point of loyalty, um, there's a great book that Matt Alston, I don't know if he's here, um, he started uh, Bonfire, which works with uh, Creator Coins. Uh, he recommended a great book to me called um, Scoring Points, which is a, kind of a history of the Tesco Club Card program, uh, which is one of the most successful um, supermarket uh, loyalty points programs. And that's just really fascinating in terms of. Some of the psychology, the the consumer psychology, and so on, of like why people collect these points and how you design the engagement between the brand and the customers. Because there's two main ways of doing point, uh, doing loyalty. You can let people collect points and redeem them, or you can just give them straight discounts, which is what we saw in the UK supermarket market. And uh, Tesco went down the points route, and uh, I mean, arguably, it's been much more successful than the straight discounts route, which is used by people like Waitrose, for example. Um, um, Yeah, Waitrose. Uh, But anyway, uh, digression aside, um, what do we think about the social token market sort of as a whole? Do we think it's going to... Is there gonna be a breakout moment for social tokens like we saw with NFTs?
2: Uh, Well, you know, June, I I actually think there's a middle path of point models that you've described here that we can explore together um, in, in, you know, the future of of our community tokens. And that middle path is not simply points or simply discounts, but rather capturing the actual behaviors that you are doing. Whether it's, I've bought carrots every day this week, and therefore, this is going to unlock some carrot-related experience. Or uh, instead of, I got 1,000 points worth of carrots, or $5 off of my carrots. So my ability to capture contextually what I'm up to and then prove behavior in a variety of different contexts allows me to, you know, capture my own behavior as a type of a flavor of point. If you will, um, and so I think the more contextual behaviors can be captured and made portable, um, we can lower the switching cost of moving from one DAO to another because we can prove the non-financial work we've done in our various communities. We can um, prove the type of loyalty that we we perform with our with our favorite brands and our favorite artists. Right? If I listen to a thousand hours a month of Disclosure, it's a very different kind of fandom than going to every Disclosure show or buying every piece of merch and understanding the type of loyalty that people. Are participating in will allow us to use these tools as better human coordination mechanisms. I
0: think that's a great point because the whole issue with some of these loyalty point programs is the corporate surveillance part of it, right? Which is them tracking what you're buying and then recommending you things based on that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Um, yeah, I guess two um, points. One, I completely agree on the the context part. Um, I guess I spend a lot of my day to day in the world of DAOs, like running one, kind of learning from other people who are running DAOs. Um, and governance has come up a couple of times as one of the main forms of utility for social tokens, um, and I think there have been many, many examples this year of um, like snapshot proposals, on-chain votes going completely wrong because they were completely token-weighted, because there was no uh, context you know, showing up on the screen uh, or on the platform in terms of like why people voted a certain way, um, uh, or even like giving the option to like you know uh, try different. Uh, like voting or like waiting strategies for tokens so yeah i think context is uh and kind of storing that on chain which i think yeah requires going beyond social tokens just by nature of like what is happening technically and the fact that those they are 100 percent fungible that's definitely like one um, step and then two i want to i do want to uh, definitely highlight friends with benefits as an example uh full disclaimer i am a member of friends with benefits and i think something that's really interesting um, and I think it's important to think about is really clarifying what membership in the Friends of Benefits DAO means. So I don't know how many people here of like f- are following Friends of Benefits, but um, so their token is fully liquid, so anyone can buy and sell it, but to actually be a member of the DAO and to start contributing and to have that be uh, tr- like all your behavior, whether that's like contributing to the DAO, showing up to events. Um, in order for that to be tied to your identity, that is all going to be tracked on an NFT, like a membership NFT. And they're working on uh, similar, you know, non-transferable, sold on NFTs. They're going with that concept. And so, having uh, multiple different layers in terms of how you identify membership, and not just having membership in a DAO or community be uh, tied to like buying in, I think will be very important. And we're, yeah, definitely early on in those
0: experiments. Gotcha. Uh, will Shark, anything to add on evolution of social token models?
3: Sure. So I think from a long term perspective, social tokens are inevitable, uh, similar to the way that NFTs were inevitable from the point of digital ownership of, of digital goods. Um, you know, the benefits of a company, an organization, a project, having social tokens to allow more engagement and to be able to reward their people as well as to increase loyalty is just too large of an opportunity uh, to ignore. In the short term, you know, again, just a warning here, because again, I'm, I'm known kind, to be, kind of to be a Debbie Downer when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the hype cycle. Um, but, you know, again, uh, a lot of celebrities and a lot of influencers earned a lot of money during the course of the NFT boom. Um, you know, what's the way to make more money moving into the future? Uh, it's to issue something that's more fungible than NFTs, right? something that's more liquid. And honestly, I do think we will go through a growth period Um, of personal tokens in the near future, which again, we will see some of the similarities that we've seen in the NFT market. Um, But again, in order to get there, in order to get mass adoption of social tokens, there's still a lot of things that need to be done. And it needs to be as easy as me opening up my Marriott app or my World of Hyatt app, and really allowing the average Joe and Josephine to be able to transfer social tokens, to be able to sell social tokens, to be able to use social tokens uh, in a matter of three clicks on their phone. So it is inevitable, but I do think we have a long growth path to get there.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. Um, we've run out of time, unfortunately, but um, big thanks to my panel, Whale Shark, Cherie, and Evan. Thanks so much. <laughs>